this Live Well Talk on Pregnancy Myths. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health St. Luke's. For expecting mothers, there's a lot of information out there, uh, whether it's from their mother or their mother-in-law. Um, they get uh, uh, information on how to, uh, how to be pregnant, if you will. Uh, also, there's social media and there's uh, Google searches about what you're supposed to do or not to do, what to eat, what rules to follow. Oftentimes, the advice, although well-intended, uh, may not be accurate or maybe a urban legend, if you will. Uh, so join me today to, to uh, bust some myths uh, or misconceptions, no pun intended, about pregnancy as husband and wife team, Dr. Anthony Eshelman and Dr. Amy Smoluka, both obstetrics and gynecologists for Eastern Iowa Health Center. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, this, I can remember, I remember vividly when we were potty training our oldest that one person would tell us to do this way. The next person would tell us the exact opposite. We actually did nothing and she just, it, it worked. So, you know, so I know there's a lot of information out there and your first pregnancy can be kind of scary, I think, you know, for people. Um, and so th I thought this was a great topic and we should have some fun today. For My sure. first question yeah. is, is there such thing as half pregnant? Half pregnant? Yeah. People always say, well, that's like being half pregnant. So the answer is no, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. All I right. think you either are or you are not. Okay. See? <laughs> so, all right, we got that myth out of the way. So you should not say that's like being half pregnant. <laughs> Does the shape of the belly indicate the gender or sex of the baby? Um, it, it actually doesn't. So there's a lot of people that will you know, tell you just by the way the belly looks that they might be able to tell you the sex, but because babies come in all shapes and sizes, it's very difficult to tell just by looking at someone, you know, whether or not they're carrying low or high. Same with the heart rate. If the heart rate is high or low, that doesn't really indicate the sex of the baby. Um, doesn't really matter what the mom craves or doesn't crave as far as, as far as foods go. Um, you really can't tell the sex. Um, what's the biggest baby you guys have delivered? Oh, the biggest one that I've that I've delivered that I remember was 11 pounds, two ounces. And wow. it was a C it was a C-section. C-section. I've yeah. seen bigger babies. My, really? Yeah, mine's about the but same. But I didn't, I didn't <laughs> deliver C-section wow. and upper 11s. Yeah. Wow. That's big. All yeah. shapes and sizes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking something that's this big, you know, two pounds is huge. Uh -huh. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that percentage wise. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as an internist, and I'll tell you, I did my obstetrics uh, as a medical student and uh, first attended to delivery. The amniotic fluid went into my new Air Jordans, just like <laughs> 1992. Yeah. Um, so I said, OK, this specialty is not for me um, and subsequently did internal medicine. But, <laughs> you know, I do notice that sometimes like pregnant women that like around the office and stuff that, that it'll, the baby will, looks like it drops. What, what's happening there? Honestly, it's it's actually what you're saying. Um, babies very early in pregnancy actually sit a lot higher up above your, your pelvic brim and bones. Um, as you get a little closer to term, they start to sink down in your pelvis a little more um, to get ready to come out for labor in that. But that's kind of what starts the labor process is the baby moves a little lower, starts pushing down on that cervix. So um, they so, physically are lower. <laughs> so when it, it drops, is does that mean that it's like two weeks, four weeks? Does it, is there any correlation to delivery? 
Unfortunately, not really. Yeah. Okay. So some people, yeah. uh, you know, and it's different for people who've had more babies, but that's not always an indication either. It's just, just that that baby's getting ready to, you know, to come, but not, not really an indication of time frame. You had mentioned, uh, Tony, about spicy foods to speed up labor. That's <laughs> cravings. Yes, uh, that is also another myth. Um, a lot of people will try to tell you, especially at home, like, or your grandmother's like, hey, try this or do that to, to start labor. And there's, you know, a lot of, like you said, misinformation that's probably not super helpful. There are some things that are dangerous, but um, one of the things that used to be recommended a lot is castor oil, um, which is similar to spicy foods in that the most they're probably going to do is irritate your intestines, which sometimes can cause some cramping, but that's not labor. So unfortunately, there's not a lot uh, on that side. There are things that you can do. Um, you know, we talk to patients about activity sometimes that can help. Um, there's some acupuncture techniques that have been proven to, to induce labor. Um, and the old adage uh, I tell people is, you know, lots of sex. That certainly can get things going, too. The husbands are happy to hear that. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Very, yeah. Sometimes the wives, too. Sometimes. Uh, What's the, you've mentioned cravings, you know, and, and, and in the internal medicine world, we know about pica, we know about poglophagia, craving for ice. I had an aunt that did that all the time, just chewed ice and it was so annoying. Um, <laughs> so what's the weirdest craving you guys have had? Ooh, a lot of it goes along with the pica. I think that's mm -hmm. the more common thing we see in pregnancy, but we did have a lady come in and she had bags of dirt in her purse that she would eat. So it was a very typical pica, very like earthy cravings so that, uh, that was a little strange <laughs> i had a patient that really i don't think she ever ate them or she didn't endorse it to us but she wanted to eat the tide pods oh so, my gosh yeah well you know th those are kind of bright and colorful so i mean mm -hmm. i'll give her a little credit <laughs> i actually we we have two daughters they're 17 and 20 now um but I was like all up for Tanya and my wife, you know, tell me to go to Taco John's at midnight because then I would eat tacos at midnight and nothing. Yes. <laughs> she craved nothing. So I felt I really lost out. Uh, speaking of food, should pregnant women eat for two? Is that is that true? That is definitely one of the very big myths out there. So. Um, you should increase your caloric intake very slightly, um, and it really goes by trimester. So when you're in that first trimester, you do not need any extra calories at all. Um, obviously, as baby gets bigger and you progress a little more, um, second trimester, you need anywhere from like 250 to 350 um, extra calories a day. And then moving on to the third trimester, about 450. So you know, most of the calories that you'd have in a bottle of Coke or something like that. It's not nearly as right. much as most people think. Yeah. So just, just to clarify, so that's, so if you are normally, you know, the average American probably eats 2,500 calories a day, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're saying in addition to that 2,500 or in addition to 1,800, which is probably recommended? Oh, just in addition to your, your normal record. Normal diet. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And a lot of that changes, too, with your starting weight. You know, our underweight mothers should gain a little more weight in pregnancy than a normal weight. Um, same thing for if you're overweight or obese. The recommended weight ranges are a lot less than an average person. Um, you should never lose weight in pregnancy, but there are kind of some adjustments that you need to make based on kind of where you're starting. Interesting. 
I've, I've never heard of this one, but um, I'm kind of a shower guy, but it's not safe to take a bath during pregnancy. Is that true? <laughs> that is not true. Um, I have heard this many times in the office, though. People are very worried about getting in hot bathtubs or temperature related things. And um, there is some truth to it. Um, when you are pregnant, you do want to avoid extremely hot temperatures. So we're talking like hot tubs, saunas, things like that, especially in the first trimester. Um, you know, there's really no well agreed upon max maternal temperature, but ideally you do not want to be going above 102 degrees Fahrenheit if you're taking your temperature. Um, but baths are wonderful in pregnancy. I recommend them for joint pain, relaxation, early labor pains. Um, a lot of good uses, actually. That's it. That's yeah. Good to know, but avoid the hot tubs. Yes, the hot tubs and the saunas are a no. Saunas. <laughs> Or Iowa in August, where it's 110 degrees. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you can uh, avoid it. Now, this, you know, you guys aren't old enough yet, but you will. You'll see where I've been. I'm old enough that I've seen stuff become come and go and sometimes come back. So the next question, what amount of alcohol or wine specifically is safe during pregnancy? You know, at one point, wine was recommended on the Mediterranean diet. And then they said, well, it's actually the skin of the purple grape. Uh, and then, you know, so that, so Welch has made a lot of money. Now wine back in moderation is a good thing. So uh, what, what is, what is, how much alcohol should someone uh, consume? I, I, I'm going to guess you're going to say none, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, what, what realistically is considered moderation during pregnancy or safe during pregnancy? So I, I'm going to jump right in there and say none. So they, you know, the recommendation is to avoid all alcohol. There's actually no safe amount that's been established. Um, and if you imagine this is not something that people are going to study either, where they say, oh, right. I'm going to give, you know, this pregnant woman so much alcohol and just see what happens. And so for that reason, it's just a recommendation to avoid all alcohol. Um, and that goes for you know, beer, wine, liquor, there's no safe type, no safe amount. There's actually no safe time to have alcohol either. So the alcohol can affect babies uh, in all trimesters. Obviously, in the early development stages, first trimester, you can have more, you know, kind of birth defects. Um, but the brain is developing throughout all of pregnancy. And so those those effects can, you know, can be seen on developmental delays and in learning disabilities, um, even, you know, with alcohol consumption in the, in the third trimester. So it's the whole pregnancy. But traditionally, was it the first trimester? Maybe. No, that's full yeah. of acid deficiency. Oh, yeah, that traditionally, is traditionally, yeah, they would say, you know, try to avoid it in the in the first trimester to avoid the effects of fetal alcohol syndrome. And they, you know, had caps on like hey, you know, you shouldn't drink more than, you know, two servings a day. Um, but really, because there there's no safe amount that's been established, um, we do recommend avoidance. And I, th I think that's important for listeners to understand because this kind of came up with the COVID vaccines. They said, well, it's not been tested in pregnant women. Of course. I mean, what pregnant women is going to say, oh, I'll enroll in that study. I'll be the control group and uh, we'll see if my kid has a birth defect. You know, that that's never going to happen. So I know that when I cross cover, maybe on, you know, preeclamptic or what, that it, you you have to make some assumptions and, and try and treat the mother and the baby at the same time. And you might not have evidence like you do in other specialties. Mm -hmm. If you have a cold, 
If you have a cold, can you pass that on to the baby, a viral illness, when you give it? I mean, I'm sure you could. Yeah, that that question has actually come up a lot, especially with COVID and talking about the effects of, you know, vertical transmission or transmission between mother and and fetus. But uh, as far as viral illnesses, you generally can't pass them on. But um, I would say that this is probably a, a, a true fact. There are some studies that have shown the common cold virus um, has been found in placental tissue. Uh, obviously, the, the flu virus is another one that we talk about that sometimes can have some fetal effects. Most of the time with either the cold or the flu, the harm to the fetus is going to come from the, the, the fever or the elevated maternal temperature that we talked about earlier, similar to the hot tub, where in the first trimester, sometimes that can cause miscarriage um, or, or birth effects. There are some viruses, though, that are well known um, to pass from mother to baby that can cause issues such, such as varicella or chickenpox, right. rubella, CMV, uh, mm -hmm. parvovirus or fifth disease, and Zika virus, if people still remember that. Um, and those have well-established, um, you know, uh, detrimental effects um, on the fetus. Yeah, the Zika virus, that was big in the news and mm -hmm. medical literature yep. or what prior to the pandemic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I always use that when, you know, I talk to patients about it is, you know, it's another good opportunity to talk about um, hand hygiene, avoidance of people that have, you know, illnesses, uh, especially if they're unvaccinated, and to make sure that they're getting their vaccinations during pregnancy, during flu season, um, or things that, uh, you know, if they're not immune to varicella or rubella, getting those vaccinations when they're not pregnant. Wow, yeah. Because not only can the baby be born with measles, it also causes some developmental concerns, correct? Yep, yeah, they certainly can cause, yeah, birth effects, uh, a wide range of them, depending on which illness. Okay, you know, the, I got my new Peloton, let's say, and I'm pregnant. Can I keep riding that through all pregnancy? I don't have a Peloton, by the way. But. <laughs> you absolutely can. Um, exercise is one of the best things you can do if you are pregnant, obviously with certain caveats, certain modifications. Um, you definitely don't want to be doing an activity that you could either fall or hurt your belly, um, things like that. So if you are an avid biker, you might need to trade the bike in for the, the stationary bike. Um, same thing with jogging. You know, you might need to kind of tone it back a little. I think the biggest thing is the, the talk test, we call it. You should be able to comfortably have a conversation you know, during your activity. You know, So you might need to make it a little less strenuous, but... Um, especially our yogas, your long distance running, um, things like that. Very good in pregnancy for a lot of different reasons, but they can actually reduce um, musculoskeletal pain, um, improve mood, improve your sleep. Lots of good benefits to that. So okay. will not induce preterm labor. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good to know. Well, this is your first podcast and Every guest on the podcast gets uh, the question of why obstetrics and gynecology, or you know, why did they choose their specialty? So tell us your stories. Okay, you want to go first? Yeah. yeah. You go so first. Yeah. Um, I took a kind of a circuitous route to get here. Uh, I did a HPSP scholarship um, through DMU for the Air Force, and they were like, they told me you can do whatever specialty you want. The the match rate is you know over ninety percent and. I unfortunately did not match to obstetrics um, when I graduated medical school and ended up doing flight medicine uh, for uh, for the Air Force for about six years overseas and then came back to 
to residency um, in Ohio. But uh, I really enjoy um, the specialty of obstetrics and gynecology for a few reasons. Um, one is uh, I like a little bit of continuity um, with my patients. So we get to, you know, we get along with each other and, you know, we meet each other, meet each other's families after, you know, for nine months. Um, I like surgery. So I'll do a little bit of surgery, but I didn't want to do general surgery where you're kind of just doing that every, you know, every day, all day long. Um, so a little bit of surgery to to break up the monotony. And, and then overall, you know, I always challenge, you know, med students or residents when they're looking at specialties to to try to think of another specialty where people are happy to come to the doctor. In general, obstetrics, people are happy to come. They want to know what's going on with their baby. They want to hear the heartbeat. And, you know, it's it's generally a pretty uh, young, healthy, and happy population. Well, I, I would challenge any medical student that doesn't see their first delivery and kind of feel some emotion about it, you know, because you're like, wow, that just happened, you know, um, and it's pretty cool. So I can understand that. Unless the amniotic fluid goes into your brand new air drill <laughs> that I was a medical student, I saved so much for and we're ruined. Uh, you'll Amy, never why, forget that, though. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, wh why, 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 why did you choose obstetrics and gynecology? Um, you know, it was my first rotation as a medical student, and I remember finishing the rotation going, I am never going to do this because, they, you know, you're up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, you know, it's a pretty strenuous residency. It, it seemed rough, you know, but I think I after going through all the other specialties, I realized I liked a little bit of all of them, you know, and I think obstetrics and gynecology is one of the few specialties where you do get to keep a little bit of all of them. You can do surgery. Um, there's a, a huge primary care aspect to it. You get to deliver babies. Um, you know, you can do more of a geriatric population too with your gyne patients. There, it's never the same thing every day. And I, yeah. I love that about it. Um, you know, and, and like Tony was saying, there is continuity, not always <laughs> a long continuity, but it's got bits and pieces of, of everything. And I really- well, and I think you know, I always felt I used I started a couple different wound clinics over my career, but uh, I always felt working in the wound clinic, you and the patient had a common goal. Yeah. You know, they want to get healed uh, and they're going to do what you say and you want them to heal because you want to see them heal. So, you know, I think obstetrics kind of like that. You're working towards this common goal yeah. of yeah. having this miracle, this baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of great, too. I mean, you deliver baby number one and. They come back a couple of years later and now you're back baby number two, you know, and that's yeah. kind of a neat experience. You already kind of know each other and um, you have that that friendship kind of established already. So I'll tell you one other pregnancy story I have. So uh, we, we lived in Grinnell and my wife, Tanya, had we had our first daughter, uh, Elizabeth, and her doctor had just delivered her own had just had her own baby. So the dad, Doc Ferguson, comes in delivers her and then we follow up with Doc Ferguson and he, he's really adamant that you cannot have another baby for three years and he goes on about it you know and I'm like holy cow so then you know we, okay and then uh, about a week later I'm working in clinic I see this patient and she's like you know my brother I said oh do I and she goes Dr. Ferguson I go oh I was like and I go how far apart are you guys in age? She goes, we're two years apart. And I thought, okay, there's, there's some trauma. <laughs> that's yeah, that's I funny. like that. To uh, each their own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
you know, thanks for joining me today. We, we got to have you guys back. You did a great job. This has been great information. Once again, this is Dr. Anthony Eshelman and Dr. Amy Smaluka. For more information on St. Luke's Birth Care Services, education, or even they really do birth room tours and visit, visit unipoint.org backslash Cedar Rapids backslash maternity, or give them a call at 319-369-7264. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.